I so love watching improv, mostly because I'm terrible at it, as my wife Dee will tell you. <laughs> and I love watching improvised Shakespeare, and I really love watching improvised musicals. But Laura Hall, you have now co-created the phony award-winning musical, which is an improvised musical, but based on existing or inspired by existing musicals. Does that make improvising a musical easier or more difficult? Um, I would say probably a little more difficult, but it also gives you something to really hang your hat on. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 869, Phony Winning Musical. the cast of phony award-winning musicals Improvised Guys and Dolls, performing at the I.O. Theater in Chicago and co-created by Lisa McQueen and my guest Laura Hall, who some of you will remember from seeing her on many episodes of Whose Line Is It Anyway? The performance I saw was inspired by Guys and Dolls, but as you'll hear, the plan is for phony winning musical to return for future performances based on other musicals. Laura began our conversation by telling me how she approached creating an improvised musical inspired by Guys and Dolls. So we started the process like with really immersing ourselves in the style um, of, you know, movement, dialogue, characters, you know, all and songs, the musical style. It's the really strong centerpiece. And so it was really fun to kind of dig deep in that way. But both the challenge for me personally and also Lisa McQueen, who we're, we co-created it and we're sharing the musical director duties, is to play a whole show within that one genre and still uh, sort of hit the emotional content of the specific scenes. Right. Right? Because it's one thing if you're playing a short form game and someone says, do, some, do a song in the style of musical theater. Of course I can do that. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. But but to now do 10-ish songs that have different emotional things, but they're all within this world of, um, of guys and dolls, was a really interesting challenge for both of us. And it was really fun to be challenged that way for me as a musician. Like, I, it made me really happy to have that kind of challenge. It's nice to have that framework, right? It, it, mm -hmm. it, it, narrow, it just narrows, limits the possibilities in, in a good way. Sort of puts the, the bumpers up on the bowling lane, right? 
Right. It, right. In some ways, it's sort of like how you were talking about, like an improvised Shakespeare. You have the you have the parameters of the style, the kind of language, the tropes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? Like you have that, and then you're improvising within that, which is a different kind of challenge than you know, it, with a lot of improv, when you where you can be any character, any style, anything, right? Um, for me, it, it I've done a ton of improv. For me, it makes it really interesting and challenging in a in a good way. Like it's good for my good for my brain, good for my you know to be challenged like this. And I think the whole cast felt that way. They're super well versed in musical theater. All of them are, you know, this is right up their alley. But again, to like go, okay, now let's all pour it into this one style is really, really interesting. It was thrilling to be there uh, uh, on the night that we were there. And one of your cast members is one of my former students from Northern Illinois University. And two of the cast members are Dee's students from Second City. So it was fun to see them mixing with you and Lisa and uh, your husband, Rick Hall, you three wily veterans (laughs) of the form. Um, did Did you do you set yourself a goal to, I mean, Guys and Dolls has such specific and iconic kinds of numbers. And you open, I guess you open every performance with a ver- variation on Fugue for Tin Horns. I've got the horse right here. You get the you get the suggestion and then you do a spin on that uh, three-part contrapuntal amazing opening number. Do you set yourself that task? where you also have a version of a person could develop a cold or or a big gospel 11 o'clock number, like like all of Frank Lester's shows have. Right, right. Um, we, we use those as sort of touchstones. Like we definitely, we have a, um, you know, a Hotbox Girls number type mm-hmm. number. Um, we, yeah, we, so we have the, like that one, some variation of that happens in every show. Sometimes we hit the sort of 11 o'clock gospel type number. It's a good number to be, to like do that, then one more, then the closing. It's Boom. such a perfect. But of course, again, the content is all improvised. So even if we are, uh, you know, sort of looking at those little islands in the sure. show, mm-hmm. um, it's still all improvised within that. And we don't always hit it. Like we had one night where the 11 o'clock number, just the way that it felt and turned out, turned out to be this sort of dramatic ballad out of one of the characters. And it didn't feel right to make it be in the, you know, the the up-tempo gospel thing. So it's like we sort of have these touchstones, but... Um, really the only absolutely for sure is the Fugue for Tin Horns thing to open. And then we really try and hit a, a Hotbox Girls number, mostly because it's just so fun to see all the, you know, to see the cast dancing in, in that style. Well, and the Fugue for Tin Horns opener parody uh, lets the puts the audience at ease because now we go, oh, we're going to be fine. Look at these right. guys. Right, right. What do they call that? There's a name for it. it's a it's a skill number. You know what I mean? It sort of shows the audience. Oh yeah, these these are people who know how to do this. 
Yeah. And so you can relax and be comfortable because you know they're going to be good. You you had one of your performers who did an Adelaide a person could develop a cold type number. Mm-hmm. Does she always play that character? Does is there is there one of your performers who always does the Sky Masterson role or or do or, or do people leap into it and everybody else go, "Oh, he's going into this kind of number." Um we rotate, we rotate with the cast. So and there are eight cast members. Although most weeks there are only six or seven present, right? Just because everybody's busy. So we have what we call the four main tracks, which are the Adelaide, Nathan, Sky, and Sarah. Okay. Those are assigned and they rotate. And their gender, you know, so like the Sarah character, the person who has the cause that she cares or that they care about so much. It can be a female or it can be a male. So we have those four tracks. They're assigned. So we know what those four tracks are going to be. Of course, on on the night they're assigned. Yes, exactly. That one night. And then the next week. So, you know, Rick was Sky one week and then another week he was in the the cast that, you know, the the leftover people in the cast. We call them the mayhem because they Uh tend to be the ones who drop the, the problems into the laps of the of the four main characters um and then another week he's nathan then another week he's he hasn't yet been adelaide but i think he is this weekend i can't remember but yeah it's a really interesting really interesting process but then also you don't need understudies per se right because everybody's comfortable in all the roles well, and you just, it, it, with uh, uh, Rick being the Adelaide person this Sunday night, now you make me want to go back and <laughs> see it again because it's a different show with a rotating cast every time you do right. this. Right, and it's going to be really different because of the suggestions, right? Sure. Like every every week we get different suggestions and they go in very different directions, Right, which I, which I really, I like. Like we have this sort of launching pad of the structure, and then it goes where it goes. Again, on the night I saw it, Rick had the um, the the Runyon-esque locution down so well. Um, uh, and also, uh, one of Dee's students, also named Austin, as it happens, I believe, yeah. has it down really well, too. So it's not just the music you're aping. It's, it's the whole Runyon-esque vibe. Yeah, we're really trying to sort of be in that world. You know what I mean? But with, you know, but also like deconstructing the plot of the original, but to be in that world. Sure. And even like the kind of movement, like the, you know, when they do the the Hotbox Girls number mm-hmm. and those dance movements, they're, they're, you know, we're trying to do that sort of 20s vaudeville-ish kind of dance movement as well. So it's like everything's trying to, to be in that world, which is so much part of the fun of doing it, and I think also part of the fun of watching it. Hello, folks. This is Mike McShane, and you're listening deeply and completely to the Reduce Shakespeare Company podcast. Yes. Where can you RSC the RSC? This fall of 2023, we'll be performing the complete history of comedy abridged and the ultimate Christmas show abridged around the U.S. 
Check out the touring page at our website, ReducedShakespeare.com, or our Facebook page or Twitter feed at Reduced for the latest information. Now back to my conversation with Laura Hall, who was talking about how she met her phony award-winning musical co-creator, Lisa McQueen. So I knew Lisa from back in the day at The Annoyance. Mm. Uh, I was playing a show there. I think it was That Darn Antichrist, but I'm not sure. And she came to the show and she came up afterwards and introduced herself and said, oh, I'm a musician, this seems like fun. And I was like, what are you doing a week from Saturday? I need an understudy. <laughs> Great. And so, so she she came on and she did it. And that was sort of her, the beginning of her, like getting in the world of improv and improvised theater and all that. And we've been friends ever since. So moving back to Chicago, it's been, and doing this project, it's been really great reconnecting with her. So what's the difference between doing this show and and the kind of improvisation you did on Whose Line Is It Anyway? <laughs> well, there's similarities, but there are some really big differences too. Mm. What we do on Whose Line is what's called short form improv. So it's all those little short games. Each one has its own intro. And everything kind of fits within those game formats. So even when we're doing a musical game like a hoedown or greatest hits, it's fitting within that format. This, well, this musical is called long form. And so we get all our suggestions at the beginning and then we just spin the whole thing out. And we have no idea like how long each song is going to be, when they're coming, how the scenes are going to connect the songs. So in some ways, there are way more unknowns mm-hmm. with this than there are on Whose Line. Right. Um, they're both really fun in different ways. It, they almost feel like they're different animals to me. And And as you're talking about it, I'm realizing my question was going to be, and do the actors confer on the sides about what's going to be next or where we can go. No, they don't have time. They're they're paying attention to what's happening so they can respond to the thing that's happening right now instead of trying to play right in their heads. Exactly. And one of the best things is several times the actors have come up come off stage and been like, "I went out and I had no idea what I was going to say when I got out there." And, and they're just reacting really, really in the moment to the yeah. scene they've stepped into. And that's so fantastic. I think when we're on the side trying to write what we think should come next, that's when we get in trouble. <laughs> and so you've done this show for like eight weeks of Sundays um, um, uh, in, the, in the form of Guys and Dolls. It, and you've immersed yourself in Guys and Dolls and Frank Lesser. Is, is the goal then to come back and do another run of phony award-winning musical in another style? Exactly. Exactly. That's sort of the structure that we created from the start. And so for these last two weeks of, um, of Guys and Dolls, the audience gets to vote. We have, I think, five or six musicals where we'd like to do. And the audience gets to vote. Oh. And- audience for these last two shows gets to vote so then the plan is that we would come back and we would be doing jesus christ superstar or the sound of music or you know what i mean like any any of those i think i think we're probably going to avoid really contemporary ones and certainly you know hamilton because shamilton is like 
so amazing and been running forever. I think we're going to stick with sort of a little bit more classic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but yeah, a little shop of horrors is also on the short list, you know? So it's, so then I think we begin this process again. Now we immerse ourselves in that musical style, that style of dialogue movement, you know, and then figure out sort of deconstruct it, figure out, okay, who are the essential characters? Yeah. And what kind of suggestions do we get to then take those essential characters and and create something new with it like the character of sarah in guys and dolls in the original she's in the salvation army and she wants her cause is to save everyone from drinking and gambling but in in our version of it the sarah character there's also we get a different cause every week sure sure so we would do that same process with these other ones and did the, uh, I, I'm now thinking, would that apl- um, does that uh, uh, apply also to the costumes? Because I'm thinking if you do Jesus Christ Superstar or Godspell, you're going to have a lot of wigs and fringe. Right, right. We did really uh, think about in the beginning, we didn't do uh, Guys and Dolls. The first week, we didn't do any costuming at all. And we felt like, oh, we should at least nod. Mm. towards that style so like the guys wear hats and the women kind of are dressed that way you know kind of just just nodding towards it without it being too heavily costumed right um i of course am such a nerd i'm like i would do full-on costumes (laughs) but it also complicates things because a lot of the actors have to play one or play more than one character sure so then that either complicates things or makes it easier for the audience to track. I'm yes. Sure. Yeah. Well, and that's a thought. Now, um, does, does does improvising these shows week after week make you want to take the best ones and script this and find a run of a scripted show somewhere? And and if so, is Schmigadoon a help or a hindrance to that idea? <laughs> Um, boy, I hadn't even, I hadn't even thought about that. I don't know if other people have, you know, um, I, uh, and we have improvised some really great songs, but we haven't recorded any of it. So, you know, who knows, but, um, that is an interesting thought, but I don't know if that's the end goal. I think the end goal is, is this idea of, of improvise of using the the original show as this launch pad for improv. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is interesting. And certainly Schmigadoon has sort of brought that to the forefront of uh, and it just like the timing sort of all kind of happened by chance. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, except for one more thing, which I'll share with you in about 60 seconds. So stick around. Phony Winning Musical has one more performance this Sunday night, August 6th, at the I.O. Theater in Chicago, but the plan is to return for a new improvised musical based on a different show sometime this fall. Go to ioimprov.com for more information. Then send us your improvised musical theater character via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com or throw a comment to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or on our own actual website, ReducedShakespeare.com, or visit my website, TheShakespeareans.com. You can also follow Laura Hall on Twitter, at Laura Hall Music. 
Thanks, as always, to improvised but non-singing character Matthew Croak. Web services by Ginger Power Limited. Music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Layla Johnson. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to our friend Mike McShane, another veteran of Whose Line Is It Anyway? And as always, thanks very much to you for listening. Please continue to stay safe and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Titchener, 869-2607ths of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. You can get away with things in an improvised show where that people think are brilliant, and if you and if you wrote it down and memorize it, you go, well, well, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Because part of the fun is yeah. risk taking is the fact that you're making it up on the spot, and the audience sees it and knows it, and that energy uh, is a big part of the fun with any improv. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. 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 And so much less.